is going on, everybody? This is Cody with Drew Code Sports Talk, and I'm coming at you guys with a brand new episode where we'll be recapping the wild card weekend that just passed and also looking ahead to the uh, divisional round playoffs for the NFL. Uh, and then, of course, what episode would be incomplete without a Raiders discussion? Uh, unfortunately, Drew will not be joining me this evening. He's got some stuff that he's taking care of, but he'll be back next week, and you'll probably be hearing from him actually very shortly. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Drew Code Sports Talk, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. So with all that being said, let's get right in the episode. Please enjoy. Right, guys welcome back thank you again for joining me like i mentioned drew won't be joining me on this week he'll be back next week but it's all good i got you guys covered i'll be going over the uh, wild card games that just happened along with the divisional games that will be coming up and then we'll talk a little bit of raiders at the end like i had mentioned and again don't forget to follow us on souls for media so with that being said let's start off with the first uh, recap that we'll start with with the 49ers and the cowboys game uh this was uh, kind of the game I had mentioned was the uh, game for the craziest fans I think I've ever heard of. Uh, Ni- Niners Empire, Cowboy fans, they are diehard regardless if their team is good or not. And uh, fortunately, both teams were in the playoffs, so of course it was excused. But, uh, you know, anyways, to break down the game shortly, um, we can't ignore, of course, Mike McCarthy's um, call to run it on a... Uh, with 14 seconds left in the game, no timeouts. Uh, you know, it seemed like a great play to start with the QB sneak. Um, but I think where it went wrong is Dak went too far, which a couple of analysts had mentioned. But, um, you know, obviously they had a ton of um, mistakes with penalties. 49ers just had a stronger offense and kind of kept them at bay. 49ers uh, pretty much controlled that game from the start. And it was kind of fool's gold to think that the Cowboys were going to come back. They made a small little run towards the end, but it was a little too late. You kind of wish that that, uh, that movement would happen a lot earlier in the game. But alas, the 49ers will play the Green Bay Packers this weekend. But, you know, to be truthful, I'm not really surprised. 49ers, even though they were, what was it, the fifth seed, technically a lower seeding, they were pretty much consensus as the stronger of the two teams. But uh, anyways, we'll move on to the next game, which was the um, Buccaneers and the Eagles. Uh, watching this game from start to finish, the Buccaneers had this thing in hand from the coin flip. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady was losing to Jalen Hurts. No offense to Jalen Hurts. Uh, Drew and I were texting uh, throughout the game about Jalen Hurts, and he was making some good throws, and then he was forcing a lot of stuff. And you can just tell the moment was just a little big for him. And, you know, you can just see that he was trying really, really hard to force the issue. And towards the end, it was okay. You know, they moved the ball a little bit more, but Tampa's defense showed up this game. And I think what doesn't help, too, is the Eagles offense really doesn't know what their identity is yet. So, you know, that does kind of play into a factor because, uh, you know, when the Eagles kind of figure out what they are offensively and get some more weapons, just because Jalen Hurts uh, only has Smith and um, Dallas Goddard, that's okay. But you need some more stuff. And of course, that defense needs some time to get healthy as well before they're I think relevant, but, uh, you know, Tampa was not losing this game. I think we all kind of foresaw that and Tom Brady, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski just ate this team alive and the score showed it. Um, anyways, moving on to the next game, which was the Rams and the Cardinals game, which I think we can all agree is the huge shock of the, of the wild card with how it played out. 
Cardinals looked for a really long time in the NFL like they were the best team, offensively speaking. Um, and then the Rams showed them what playoff experience looked like, even though Matthew Stafford got his first playoff win in this game. Uh, this was definitely uh, Murray and the Cardinals' first playoff game, and you can tell they were nervous. I don't think they looked the most prepared that of any game I've ever seen. And the Rams were just on it from the jump. They wanted it more. They made Kyler Murray really uncomfortable, and Kyler Murray made some really bad decisions with the football, such as throwing a pick six in his own end zone. You know, you'd like to just see him, you know, throw it out of bounds, and he still tried to make a play, so good for him. But I mean, would you much rather have had an incompletion or would you have much thrown a pick six? I think had he looked at that back, he probably would have taken the uh, the incompletion, just thrown it at the feet or out of bounds or whatever, just to avoid all that chaos. But, you know, the Rams just, just annihilated the Cardinals. And I had been saying that the Cardinals didn't look like a team that was ready. They started off hot and then they trailed off towards the end of the season. And I didn't believe that they were a true team to begin with in the NFC. They had, they had the least amount of experience in terms of playoff. Um, they're a really young team and the, you can just see that, they were not ready for this moment. So that's pretty much why you saw the Rams just destroy them. So, but you know what? We'll see. The Cardinals get some experience out of this. Kyler Murray comes back, works on some things, and maybe the team comes back a lot stronger. They didn't have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, which you can tell was a big difference. I mean, defenses are going to play a little bit different when you have a, you know, a receiver like Hopkins that you have to, game plan for which could change a lot in terms of like running game uh, momentum even depending on the throws and you know Kyler Murray that was his guy pretty much since he since they've been together and so not to have his security blanket so to speak it was it was really 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 tough for Kyler Murray and you can tell but nevertheless I think they'll they'll be back next year uh, but we'll see I mean hopefully that they've gained a lot of experience and that they progress from here but who knows i mean this could maybe they peak too soon because i really don't believe in uh cliff kingsbury as a uh, coach but we'll see maybe i'm wrong it's not the first time so we'll see um and then i believe uh we had the pats and the bills again this was a no-brainer i think we all kind of picked the bills just because stronger defense stronger team josh allen stefan diggs you weren't beating them at home and you can tell they marched down the field on the Patriots, the number one defense in the league, and scored at will with no resistance, and it was apparent. So moving on, of course, uh, Chiefs defeated the Steelers and basically retired Big Ben from the NFL, which good good career for him, and it was unfortunate to see his team lose the way they did, but that at least they got in the playoffs, which is a huge surprise for a lot of people. But Chiefs showed why they're – arguably the best offense in the entire NFL with Patrick Mahomes. Don't know though, if he's cleaned up a lot of his uh, bad habits, which we'll talk about a little bit later on the show when we uh, kind of go over uh, the picks or the predictions for the divisional round of the playoffs. But anyways, uh, Chiefs beat the Steelers again. I think that was pretty much a given that it was going to happen. I think the Chiefs had to have a, a monstrous collapse in order for the Steelers to win. But Steelers actually got themselves into this predicament. So it's kind of amazing that they were there to begin with. So I guess a consultation reward is, is necessary, but uh, anyways, and then the last and certainly not least, uh, we had the Cincinnati Bengals defeated our Las Vegas Raiders and sent us home. 
Uh, we played our hearts out. I know that there was a lot of controversy with the um, with the whistle being blown inadvertently by the ref uh, that scored basically uh, the Bengals touchdown. It should have been waved off. And it wasn't. The officiating crew was not the greatest. I will stress, though, that rather I agree that that play shouldn't have happened. I think that they would have scored regardless, just that it would have been a ver- another sort of way. And I don't think the outcome would have changed too much. Honestly, the Bengals have a ton of file pow- firepower. Jamar Tage was unstoppable. Um, you know, T. Higgins was quiet, which I guess credit to the Raiders' defense. But you know, I almost feel like that uh, Jamar Chase is who beat us really the most, and Joe Burrow just had his way with our defense. And we got some pressure here and there, um, but Joe Burrow and the Bengals—they had a lot more offensive firepower than we did. Um, we started off really slow. We tried coming out in the in the uh, second half and trying to claw our way back. And, you know, you can't beat a team that's as offensively dominant as the Bengals with field goals. You got to score touchdowns. And unfortunately, we couldn't find the end zone. Towards the last drive, though, with the Raiders, my preference would have been to, you know, find a way to get Waller involved a little bit more. I felt like there was some more throws we could have made that were a little short of the goal line. I didn't feel like that we needed to take, you know, six consecutive shots towards the end zone. I feel like we could have gone a little bit chipped away at it a little closer as the clock was winding down. And, you know, I didn't feel like going to Zay Jones three plays in a row was necessary. I I really would have loved to seen Waller get involved in terms of maybe making a jump ball situation. Um, you know, maybe a dump off to Jacobs. He ran pretty well against the Bengals. So, you know, it was really unfortunate how it ended. I would have maybe come up with a different plan for the goal line, but goal line has always been something that we've struggled with, which is why in this game, we, anytime we got in the goal line, the only thing we can get out of it was field goals, more or less than touchdowns. And, you know, unfortunately the Bengals defense held us, you know, to majority field goals and, They played really, really well, and they clearly were the better team, and now they move on to play the Titans, which is going to be an interesting matchup that we'll talk about later. So, All right, guys. So I know I'm kind of breezing through all this. I feel like just a recap is more than necessary. I don't feel like I need to dive too detailed into that. I think we all saw the games. We all read the stat lines. We can all make our own assumptions on what we feel like uh, we saw this wild card weekend, and I think the story of it is is teams that were bounced – in the playoffs are a lot hungrier. Hence why the Titans are number one. The bills dominated the pay, the, the Patriots, pardon me. Um, you know, the Bengals are a, are a team that's super hungry. That um, is very surprising. Andrew and I talked about it on our last episode that they were probably the most surprising team that was successful that we didn't anticipate. Tampa Bay has a lot of, uh, question marks in terms of offensively and their defense. Is it going to be able to hold up? Can Tom Brady wheel this team to the Super Bowl? He's played with worse teams in terms of talent around him, but I I don't know. There's something about this Tampa Bay team that just seems a little different, um, almost an unsurety, which is a little bit more nerve wracking, so to speak. And then the 49ers, like I know I'm not a huge 49er fan. I've said that many times. But it's hard to doubt that they are a really good team, have a really good coach, Kyle Shanahan, and a really good defense considering they don't really have anybody on that defense that really you know about other than, you know, Bosa and Warner. Outside of that, I mean, they're just a team that 
plays really, really well together and they make it a problem for a lot of offenses and their offense is really creative where Debo Samuels is their leading receiver and running back all in one. And uh, there's still a scary offense to imagine, you know, that's essentially Debo Samuels and Greg Little, Elijah Mitchell, I guess, has gotten a little bit involved, but you know, this is a surprising team and who knows, maybe they can make a deep run. They were only in the Super Bowl about two seasons ago. So you never know. I mean, they could surprise everybody, but you know, then there's the Rams, you know, can Matthew Stafford play clean football to get them there? Is that defense going to hold together? Um, Casey, are they good enough to go back to the Super Bowl and this time win, not lose? Can Patrick, did Patrick Mahomes clean up his mistakes? So there's a lot of storylines that's happening in wildcard that we kind of lead into divisional playoff round, which is pretty, pretty interesting. So we'll see how it all goes. So catch a break right now. And when we come back, I will go over the divisional rounds of the playoffs with the remaining teams in the NFL. Uh, again, before I go on a break, as a reminder, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Drew Code Sports Talk. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, where we're doing as many new and updated video content as we can. So I'll be right back and we'll talk some more NFL afterwards. All right, guys, welcome back to Drew Code Sports Talk. Again, I am coming at you guys in a solo show. Uh, in this part of the episode, I'm going to be talking to you guys about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So, um, <clears throat> so excuse me. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to be talking about the first matchup being the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco uh, 49ers. Uh, Green Bay was the number one seed in the NFC, had a first round by uh, Niners beat the Cowboys at Cowboys Stadium uh, on the wild card weekend uh, this past weekend to earn a spot to play the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. And this is a very, very interesting game. I feel this rivalry just keeps kind of coming up over just the course of time, which is pretty cool. It's one of like the top, you know, four, maybe divisional, not divisional, excuse me, just football rivalries that's kind of just out there. And ironically, there was one that just played with involving the Niners well against the Cowboys. So it's kind of a Niners against the world, I suppose. I, I don't know if they want to spin it that way. But anyways, um, so this is going to be a super interesting game. You got Aaron Rodgers, who's pretty much potential, maybe even already the NFL MVP uh, going up against the, I guess, underdog in the Niners with uh, Jimmy G, who's been trying to prove that he is the, you know, the right guy for the job to get them back in the playoffs, win a Super Bowl. Um, and they have been battling injuries all season, offensively and defensively. And even though they've lost a lot of key defensive players, you know, throughout the season, they're still playing pretty good defense. And their offense, even though it doesn't look like there's a whole lot to it, super surprising how powerful and potent it is. Credit that to Kyle Shanahan with how it's operated and his scheme and how he does all of that. So um, anyways, though, so I know that Drew isn't here, but he did tell me what his prediction was for this. And I will break it down for you the way that he explained it to me. So, you know, one of the things that he kind of looked at was, you know, he looks at the Packers, he looks at their offense, he looks at their defense, at they're getting some defensive guys back, some guys on offense as well, especially their starting right tackle, which has been a huge thing for Aaron Rodgers, especially he's been playing without him majority of the season. So now he's going to be getting him back. They're playing in Wisconsin. It's going to be really cold. The only thing that makes uh, Drew, from what he's explained to me, a little apprehensive is, um, you know, that maybe that first round rust that some first round uh, teams go against where, you know, they had a week off to kind of recover, but yet they're now rusty. Whereas for this example, 
the Niners who just played the Cowboys are kind of on a roll and in a rhythm. And so they're probably more likely to still stay in sync and not have, you know, the metaphorical rust. Um, and so Andrew's pick in this one is the Green Bay Packers. Um, he just feels like Aaron Rodgers with his weapons is going to be a little bit too much for the Niners, considering the Niners don't really have a secondary that's going to have an answer for Devontae Adams, uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones? So there's a lot of question marks for the Niners to kind of answer. And, you know, clearly Green Bay on paper looks like to be the strongest team, hence the record. Um, and that's kind of a little bit of what is uh, pulling Drew to predict that the Green Bay Packers will win in this game. I, on the other hand, think that because of the first round by, like I had brought up with the rust with the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, the 49ers having somewhat of momentum coming into the game because they defeated the Cowboys. I do feel like that that kind of gives them an edge because they're still playing in rhythm. They're got a lot of confidence going into the game. Yes, it's in Wisconsin, but Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs against the 49ers does not do well. Um, he has some good games, so to speak, but then he has some really odd turnovers, um, throwing interceptions that are costly. And again, the credit that to the defense in the playoffs, you know, it's a totally different season. It feels like where there's a lot more intensity game plans, a lot different. So I feel like the 49ers will ring the bell and, and, uh, and answer the call, so to speak. And I do think that the 49ers will come out on top and upset the Green Bay Packers. They're already on a roll. They're on the road. And I feel like that they're going to carry on this momentum and defeat the Packers, which would be very shocking in a lot of respects. But again, you know, the 49ers have been playing through adversity the whole season. I think at one point, a lot of people didn't think they'd make the playoffs because of injury and COVID kind of struck their team. And now everyone is getting healthy just about the right time, still missing some key players, but still offensively, they're pretty much as dialed in as they're going to get for the rest of the playoff run. Defensively, they're still super stout and they play together, which is a huge thing. And they, they're probably the defensive team that could be creative enough to confuse or at least get uh, Aaron Rodgers to make a mistake that is going to probably make the difference for um, you know this game, so to speak. So I, rather than picking the Green Bay Packers like my counterpart, uh, Drew's doing. I'm picking the Niners to win this game. Um, I think it would be somewhat of a, I don't want to say a shootout, but I think we'll be looking at the high 20s, maybe the low 30s for scores. And uh, again, I think that the Niners will come out on top. Um, you know, I do know that the Packers have some defensive players coming back, so this could bite me in the rear come the end of it. But I just think that the Niners are our hot team right now. They've got a ton of momentum, so it's kind of hard to root against them right now with all that to be factored. And, you know, yeah, we can say, you know, home field advantage is going to the Packers, but again, stranger things have happened and, you know, teams with momentum and confidence are hard to beat. So we'll see. All right. Moving on to the next one. This one was a good, good one right now. As I change scenes, uh, it's going to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the LA Rams. This is probably going to be, you know, probably well, I don't want to call it game of the week because there's also Kansas City and the Bills. So that's a it's a really, really hard one. But uh, I do think that um, this one's going to be a very close one. Um, Drew has, I believe he said he was going to pick the Los Angeles Rams to win this one. Um, I could be wrong. He's probably going to text me right now that I was wrong after I release this. But, you know, one of the things that he was telling me is 
you know, Tampa Bay's defense has no secondary. Um, yes, they played really well against the Eagles, but they were ahead majority of that game, which Eagles couldn't run the ball very well. The Rams have a really potent offense. They've got OBJ, Cooper Cup. Who's going to stop them? Uh, Tyler Higby playing really, really well. You got Jalen Ramsey opposite side of them. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller. They've got a ton and ton, a ton of power. So um, I believe that Andrew is going to be siding with the uh, Los Angeles Rams on this one. Um, also, too, his his uh, wife's side of the family are L.A. Rams fans, so I don't know if he can face them if he didn't choose them for this game. But, you know, I think if he had to think about it, you know, the Buccaneers don't really have their offense as they used to what we, you know, anticipated earlier this season. Their defense isn't as good as we thought they were. And I think the L.A. Rams uh, is his selection that is going to move on and play in the NFC Championship game. Um, and it's going to be a very tough one. You know, Matthew Stafford, could he just play clean football? Can he get it to Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup? Can they, can Sean McVay outwit Bruce Arians and, um, you know, basically turn on the firepower and, you know, just overthrow the Buccaneers? I, on the other hand, am going to say that the Buccaneers would win this game. Uh, my reasons for that is they're playing against Tom Brady. Tom Brady is very hard to beat in the playoffs. Um, very few times has he missed the Super Bowl, and he's actually had a worse team offensively and defensively that he's gotten into the Super Bowl um, than what he has right now with the Buccaneers. Buccaneers still have uh, Mike Evans. They still have um, Cameron Bray, OJ Howard, uh, Rob Gronkowski. They're probably going to go with a two tight end set. Um, they have um, their – I don't know if he's a rookie or not, but it's uh, the running back Vaughn that they've been utilizing who – goes through the tackles. He's very shifty, very fast. So, you know, that's been helping them out in the run game. And he's a good cat, uh, pass catching back. They also have uh, Gennard, uh, uh, Bernard Giovanni, excuse me, who's also back from injury. He was pretty good last week. Uh, and they're getting Leonard Fournette back. So I think they'll have enough offensive power to um, keep up with the Rams. But another deciding factor for me is I really think that the Todd Bowles is going to come up with a defensive plan that's going to put Matthew Stafford in a position where he will take chances and he will unfortunately turn the ball over. And um, in my opinion, I think the Buccaneers are going to turn Matthew Stafford into a turnover machine and the Buccaneers were capitalized on those turnovers. Now, what makes it tough is Tom Brady has been a turnover machine himself, so to speak, this season. So the Rams have a very good pass rush defense, have a very good um, coverage defense. So, you know, Tom Brady's really going to have to go dink and dunk and, and find his backs, find the screens, you know, check down, um, you know, use that tight end set to where it's a lot of easy throws, get him in rhythm. Um, you know, I doubt he'll be able to take very many chances with Jalen Ramsey, probably more than likely shadowing Mike Evans, which will be a, a really good matchup to see. Um, but I do think that Tom Brady will come out on top. I think that the Buccaneers defense will call, will uh, ring the call, will ring the bell, excuse me, and answer the call to confuse Matthew Stafford, get him to turn the ball over. And I think the Buccaneers will capitalize on those turnovers with points. And I think that's going to be the big difference maker in this one. And that's why I've got the Buccaneers moving on past the Rams. So uh, on to the first. AFC matchup, which is the Bills and the Chiefs. 
This one arguably is probably the game of the week. I was going to say it was probably the LA Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but if I'm being dead honest, this one is hard to argue that it's not game of the week. You have Patrick Mahomes, who's gone to the AFC Championship game three seasons in a row. He's looking to make a third straight trip to the um, Super Bowl. Well, he's got to get past the conference, but he's looking to get back there for this third straight year. He's only been in the league for five years, four years maybe, and he's been in the playoffs. Well, actually, no, I think he's five years. I think he was a second-year starter. So he's been in the league for five years, and he's been to the AFC Conference three years in a row, looking for his fourth year in a row. And out of those five years, he's been, he'll has been he have gone to the Super Bowl at least two times and won one, and he's looking to get in there for the third time. Math is confusing. I'm so sorry, guys. And against uh, Josh Allen, who's trying to pr- who's trying to get the Bills there. And of course, as everyone knows, or anybody who's old enough to know that the Bills were one time in the Super Bowl, I think it was four consecutive times and lost in the um, early 90s. I think it was the... I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. Um, And the Bills are trying to get back to the playoffs, which they were before, and then again lost to the Chiefs, which was a devastating loss. And so there's that infamous picture that's going around social media now where Stefan Diggs stayed late on the field watching the celebration of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, in that AFC Championship game as motivation for this year. Well, now the rematch is on. And uh, I think I'm going to be siding with um, with the Bills on this one. It's going to be, in my opinion, they're hungrier. They have already beaten the Chiefs earlier this season. And I know, as I mentioned earlier, the regular season is not the same as the postseason. The postseason, the energy, the game planning is just a lot different. And it's a lot tougher of a game. And then also, too, you know, the Bills are hungry, 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 hungry. And the Chiefs... Their offensive firepower is so quick that when they blow the score up, that you then change your game plan altogether. And I think the Bills are built to built built to beat them. The Chiefs, I'm referring to, because they've got some of the best coverage uh, defense in the league, and also they have a pass rush that can get home and also create havoc. And one thing we saw in the Super Bowl this past uh, this last season was. You know, Kansas City Chiefs didn't have the greatest offensive line. And when Tampa Bay rushed the line and exposed that, it it turned Mahomes um, into a pedestrian, so to speak, or pedestrian-like numbers. I think the Bills are going to mimic that as much as possible. And they have the defensive firepower to do it. And they have the offensive firepower to keep up with them. And if not, could very easily, you know, if Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of go lackadaisical, not clean football, where Mahomes is kind of more or less playing to where he's taking some chances that other quarterbacks aren't allowed to take. I think the bills will capitalize on that and get Patrick Mahomes to turn the ball over. And we've already seen earlier this season that Patrick Mahomes uncharacteristically turned the ball over, uh, didn't take care of it very well. And the chiefs just for some reason, just wouldn't show up to games felt they were uninterested. And well, now it's the playoffs. So let's see how they look. But I think that the Bills, though, in this case, are going to take it and um, it's going to be really tough to bet against them just because they're so much hungrier. They're playing with a lot more and they're and of course that they made a statement in beating the Pats 
And uh, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have a hell of a game in front of them. And I think the Bills are going to come out on top. And, you know, rightfully so. I think that they've been trying to get to this point. And honestly, if they don't do it this time, it's going to be really tough to see it next year. Even though Josh Allen is a really young player, we'll see how this is. And of course, Andrew's selection is as well the Bills. He just feels the defense is too strong. Um, you know, a lot of question marks for the Chiefs offense and with injuries. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is due to come back, and they do also have some other running backs that are there. But, you know, can that run can that run offense, you know, get the game started? Um, you know, can Patrick Mahomes play clean football? Um, you know, and the Bills have a lot of defensive players um that can match up pretty well. So, you know, how involved is Kelsey gonna be? Uh, you know, what's Tyreek gonna be like? Um do the Chiefs have enough firepower to get past the Bills, who basically the Bills are built to keep up with them? So, you know, as long as the Bills have a balanced game, it's going to be really, it's going to be a really, really, really good game, first of all. And second of all, the, the Bills are probably going to be extremely hard to beat with a balanced game plan. So, so to recap, Drew and I have the Bills moving on from this game, uh, going on to the AFC uh, Conference Championship game. So that leaves. Uh, the Bengals and the uh, Titans. And just to be frank with you, both Drew and I have um, basically have a consensus that the Tennessee Titans are going to beat the Bengals. Um, you know, the Bengals did have a really good season. Again, surprised everybody by winning the AFC North and basically representing their division in the playoffs and have made it this far. Joe Burrow's second season coming off of an ACL injury from his rookie season. It's unprecedented what he did. And Jamar Chase, a rookie wide receiver, just him and Joe Burrow just have this unseparable like chemistry. And it's a very apparent. And then Bengals have this great receiving core with Boyd Higgins and, um, and uh, excuse me, Jamar Chase. Um, however, though, a lot of defensive questions, you know, a lot of offensive line question marks as well. Since Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback in the league, Tennessee Titans have a have a crazy, crazy, crazy good pass uh, uh, pass rush. So, you know, can the Bengals protect Joe Burrow enough for him to get the football? Um, is Joe Burrow going to be, you know, too nervous for this moment? As again, he is a second year player. And he is playing now in the playoffs against the number one AFC team in the league. Tennessee Titans are getting uh, Derrick Henry back from a from uh, a broken foot. He had surgery, uh, I think, around week eight, and now he's cleared to come back. A lot of question marks on that, though. But you got a healthy AJ Brown, uh, Julio Jones, along with a along with a very 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 stout offensive line. It seems like the Tennessee Titans have had a stellar run game all year. Yes, Derrick Henry, the King Henry has, you know, created such a, um, such a great presence in Tennessee as obviously their main running back and pretty much would have ran away with the rushing title. And pretty, I think he would have eclipsed over 2000 yards the way that he was running. I think at week eight, when he got injured, he was almost at a thousand yards and it seemed like he was getting stronger. And that's what it always looks like as, as the season winds down, he gets stronger while nobody else can keep up with him. And now that he's coming back, you know, the Tennessee Titans have always had a good run defense. Even the all, even the alternate running backs that they've put in, in place of Derrick Henry have each had hundred yard rushing games or have been a presence in there. 
Now, all Tannehill has to do is take care of the ball. Don't turn the ball over. Don't throw any interceptions. Don't fumble. Get it to your number one guy, A.J. Brown. Very hard to stop. Very big body receiver. You know, the Bengals don't have a whole lot of help on defense, especially in the secondary. So, A.J. Brown, can he get, you know, can he get going? Can you get Julio Jones involved in your passing game? I think if you can get those two on the same page, you know, working together, I think you can carve up this uh, Bengals defense. And again, Drew and I both agree in consensus that, you know, the Tennessee Titans will prevail in this game and move on. And in theory, it would be the Titans versus the Bills, which is a rematch from the crazy Monday night. I think it was Monday night football or Sunday night football game that uh, the Titans had beaten the Bills in a last second play. Um, but anyways, nevertheless, though, the Bengals though, are a little bit outmatched here, a little bit young for the moment. Next year, though, we'll be talking more, especially in the draft and in free agency, how they address some of their offensive line issues and their defense. Bengals are probably one year away from actually being very relevant and an AFC threat, such as what the Bills or Kansas City is. But right now, they're going up against a, you know the number one team in the AFC, and it's going to be extremely, extremely hard to beat um, the Titans, which is why we're choosing the Titans. So, okay, guys, we just went right past the uh, the AFC and NFC divisional playoff games. So I'm going to dive in briefly towards the last of the show right now, talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. So earlier this uh, week, we got uh, we got uh, news that Mike Mayock was released, uh, well, was uh, fired and relieved of his uh, GM duties with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, he spent three seasons with them. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised by this only because I figured with, you know, basically there was reports that when John Gruden was there with the team during Mayock's time, John Gruden was more or less the guy that would control, you know, who they wanted to draft per se, and he would get the final say. So, and, you know, once they were fired, of course, uh, once uh, John uh, John Gruden was fired and it was Mayock and Prasaccia and that team now having to come together on their own, I thought that this would buy Mike Mayock at least one more season to where now he's got to find the team's head coach if they were going to make a change from Rich Prasaccia or if they were going to hire somebody else. And then also, too, to see what Mike Mayock would do with a full draft at his disposal to do essentially whatever he wanted. I thought that was what the plan was going to be. But um, again, Andrew actually called this one earlier before the Raiders even made the playoffs that he believed that Mike Mayock needs to be out. Just bad draft picks, uh, bad reputation that he he garnered. And also, too, like he was presented as this draft guru and he had too many hits uh, in terms of misses in the draft. And Unfortunately, you've got players like Damon Arnett who just recently signed with the Chiefs. That was a huge one. That was a big, um, that was, uh, I, I don't want to say a waste, but it wasn't a very good one um, in terms of, you know, he didn't last. He had a lot of issues. Henry Ruggs, and we don't need to dig up what's going on with Henry Ruggs right now. I think everyone is 100% aware with what happened, but, you know, that's another one with a character issue. And then you've got other players like Colin, uh, uh, Colin Farrell who, a Farrell, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, who he basically reached for in the draft, who pretty much didn't need to be the fourth overall pick, and yet Mike Mayock made that decision, and we're still waiting for him to kind of develop into that all-pro pass rusher we'd expect a fourth-round pick to come out of. Um, you know, it is hard to put a lot of this blame, too, on Mayock, the way that the team is constructed and some of the player personnel, but at the end of the day, 
Mike Mayock is the one that was running that organization for three years. And for three years, we just produced a playoff berth. But, you know, again, I, I can almost bet that Andrew's argument is it was almost not because of Mayock that we did it. And probably Mayock was holding us back from what we could have potentially been had we had somebody that had more experience with different personnel and maybe some different draft picks. So, but nevertheless, though, um, I'm not going to get into some of the GM, um, some of the GM interviews that's going on. I know that there's an uh, Eric Dodd who's going around there. Personally, I would love to see Lewis Riddick get an opportunity. We've been asking for him to be the GM since, you know, his name circled, you know, uh, you know, surfaced, what was it, some four or five years ago when they were uh, originally looking for a replacement after they let go Reggie McKenzie before Mike Mayock joined. But, uh, you know, we'll probably get into that in another episode with some of the more news that comes out. Because I imagine the Raiders are probably going to make a GM decision within a week or two because the Giants had just hired a GM of their own. And I know that there's other teams that are also looking for a GM. So that the dominoes will probably fall in that respect. And then we'll see what happens from there. And we'll see who um, uh, Mark Davis decides to hire. But, you know, a big question that Andrew and I had talked about was, you know, is Rich... Prasaccia get a return as the Raiders head coach. Now I'm not sure what Andrew's um, thoughts are about it. I can pretty much guess that it's a, it's a no. And I would unfortunately have to agree. And uh, there's a couple of reasons why, um, you know, yes, Prasaccia was able to rally us. And as he was doing head coaching duties, he was able to bring us together and we did make a wild card playoff berth, but you know, our offense still at times didn't seem organized. We had a lot of penalties. We weren't really disciplined, but yet Versace did the best he could with what we had in a tumultuous season with losing our head coach, losing our number one receiver, and a lot of the distractions around various other players and COVID and all sorts of other things. However, though, I would imagine that Andrew would probably feel the same way as I'm going to feel about what I'm about to say, which is if you're going to already hit the restart button with the GM, you might as well do it with the head coach as well, because the new GM that comes in will probably bring in their a head coach of their choosing anyways, regard and not keep who's in place. Um, what I mean by that is before um, Reggie McKenzie took over, we had an um, eight and eight season with Hugh Jackson, who was our head coach for a while. And if anyone remembers, that was a season where we lost Al Davis. And uh, we, we, it was like one of our first seasons at being 500 that Hugh Jackson had gotten us to the following season, Reggie McKenzie gets hired and they let go of Hugh Jackson and they bring in Jack Del Rio. And that's when we started getting some, you know, we started becoming a little bit more relevant. And I think in, Del Rio's second year, we then became uh, 12 and four. We made the playoffs. And, you know, unfortunately, that was the last year that Derek Carr had uh, broke his leg or, uh, yeah, he broke his leg that year, which he wasn't able to make. And now we've been, you know, with Gruden since then, up until, of course, he got fired this season. And then we still made the playoffs in a wild card fashion. But, um, you know, the trend in the NFL has always been when a new GM is hired and there's no head coach or there is a head coach in question, nine out of 10 times that GM is going to make that head coach change. Um, and at this point right now, if you are going to hire a brand new or fire your current GM, bring in another one, you might as well do the head coach as well. Start from scratch and go from there. 
And then the second biggest question is, should you keep Derek Carr? Now, I know that there's a lot of reports. It's a question of who the GM and who the head coach is, if they're going to keep Carr. I think with how this season played out with, again, the distractions, the head coach, the players, I think this is, if ever there's a case to bring Derek Carr in and have him just be the Raiders, you know, quarterback until the end of his career, such as like an Eli Manning, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who's basically now, I guess, without verbally committing to it, has retired. Matt Ryan, who has committed to the Falcons, um, essentially for the rest of his career. I think we need to do the same for Derek Carr because, you know, out of all the adversity that has gone through the Raiders, he's always been the singular player that has always been positive, has always been a great leader. He's respected in the locker room. And I don't think that you can lose a player like that, especially if you're in a rebuild. And Derek Carr is relatively young. And, you know, I, I've seen on Twitter with some other um, Raider fans and some other, um, you know, um, other insiders that, you know, we're 10 wins. We were, we had a 10 win season. We need just need a couple of things and we're competitive, but I think that we're probably even a year or two away from that, depending on how the draft goes and all that stuff. But, you know, I would say that I think that we should sign Derek Carr to another long-term deal and keep him as the rest of the franchise's quarterback until he's ready to retire. Because if we let him go now, he he's essentially the missing piece for another team to get a Super Bowl. Denver Broncos right now have been looking for a quarterback since Peyton Manning retired. Um, the Cleveland Browns would probably pay a handsome ransom right now to get uh, Derek Carr and you know to get rid of Baker Mayfield. You know Derek Carr is probably a missing piece for a team like the Browns. The Steelers would definitely be in the market for. Uh, Derek Carr services. The Saints would be in the market for them. Seattle might even be in the market for them, uh, for Derek Carr, excuse me. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks going on. I would be really disappointed if the Raiders made a change at quarterback. Um, would I understand it? Sure. They're basically hitting the reset button, which is what I was predicting was going to happen when, you know, the whole Henry Ruggs thing happened, Damon Arnett, when we were basically in the you know, like playoffs were a distant thought. There was no chance of us making the playoffs. And we had just lost to, I think it was either the Bengals or Washington, or I think maybe even the Giants. And we didn't look good. We didn't look like a good football team. And my thought was, we're going to hit the reset button. We're going to sit car, see what we have with Mariota, flip car for some assets. And then we're going to just rebuild in the draft and go from there. And, you know, Maybe my prediction of the Raiders not getting into the playoffs was wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong with the Raiders are probably going to rebuild. I mean, uh, uh, Andrew will make the point too that this is probably the worst quarterback draft class that's come out in a while. So there's probably nothing in this draft, but next year's draft could be different. So, you know, who's to say that they don't sign Derek Carr to a franchise tender and just play it out for a year and see what happens. But, you know, I think, I think Derek Carr is somebody that should I think Derek Carr is somebody that should get another extension with the Raiders and retire with the Raiders especially with all that they've gone through and all that he's done and the milestones that he's accomplished in the Raiders organization. I think that he that's well deserved on his end. But you know again just go down the list of teams that are one quarterback away from being a dominant team or you know a playoff team or a Super Bowl winning team and Derek Carr could be their missing piece. How would the Raiders feel if they let go of Derek Carr and the next team that Derek Carr goes on, he leads them to the Super Bowl because of what 
he again he was the missing piece rather than keep working with Carr, keep building with him and you know just get some people that not John Gruden who's past his prime and not Mike Mayock who's never had a NFL GM job to begin with you know get some guys in there that are up and coming hungry been in the organization of certain teams and build them up and get a proven head coach or you know Eric Bieniemy would be a nice one I've always been a fan of him uh, John Harbaugh had his name has been in the in the Raiders rumors for weeks now and you know to be truthful John Harbaugh is is uh, Andrew's number one choice if he, there is a choice I personally would like either Brian Flores or Eric Bieniemy John Harbaugh you know I mean I mean that's a great coach too he turned around the Niners organization uh, you know relatively speaking but there's just a lot of questions that the Raiders have. Uh, or that we have about the Raiders and what their direction is. We have some idea of what's going on and what we can predict, but it's going to really depend on when the GM is hired. And again, truthfully, you know, I don't see Rich Passaccia keeping his uh, being the new head coach for the Raiders. I'd be shocked if that happened, but uh, it's going to definitely be, you know, an interesting off season for the Raiders and, you know, Raider Nation, prepare for maybe a couple of seasons of not being so good again. And, you know, and then maybe, you know, we again flourish. But I wouldn't expect a playoff berth next year. I mean, we can go through free agency and see some players that are upcoming that we think could fill in and help at least. But, you know, I don't know if the Raiders are thinking about putting some parts together to make another playoff run to maybe have a chance or if they're just going to hit the reset button to make it a clean slate, which you know, in the time that I've been watching football, this is giving me a lot of vibes of just resetting and just starting over. And we could be looking at a two or three year project. So we'll see. But anyways, guys, well, that's all I got for you guys tonight. Um, I appreciate you guys for sticking around and listening. It again was a solo episode episode with me. Uh, you know, I try to do my best to touch base on it. It's hard to do without my buddy here. Um, he definitely has a lot of good points and a lot of passionate discussion. And, uh, you know, I want to give you guys as much information and, and opinion as I can. But again, without my right hand, man, it's a little tougher. But I appreciate you guys for sticking around and listening to me. Uh, please feel free to drop a comment or um, drop us a rating to let us know how we're doing on this episode and on our, on our other episodes. Uh, you can catch our podcast on anywhere you get podcasts, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart. We're available on all that. Actually, even on our Facebook, you guys can listen to our podcast show. You guys just go to our Facebook page and there's a podcast link on there as well. You listen to it right, right on Facebook. So we know half of you guys are on Facebook at, at work anyways. You might as well just listen to us while you're there uh, to begin with. So, And then while you guys are also on our uh, Facebook page, you guys can also check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Drew Coach Sports Talk. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube page. We have videos posting there a little bit more frequently than before, and uh, they're going to be a little bit more exciting, and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, better content for you guys, and we'd love for you guys to uh, let us know how your feelings are on that. Leave us a comment down below with some of your opinions on some of the uh, videos that we suggest or topics on that one. That'd be fantastic. And uh, also, too, we want to give a shout out to FNX Fit, who's a great affiliate partner. Um, we have a link on our link tree, which is on our um, podcast and uh, Instagram bio that you can click on. And at the very top of our link tree is the link that you want to go on to get to FNXFit.com. And you want to use the promo code DrewCode15 to get 15% off any 
workout supplements, uh, merch. Um, I have a lot of their uh, workout gear and merchandise from uh, FNX Fit. It's good quality stuff, and I love it. I'm looking to get some more of it. Uh, Drew always talks about his uh, protein powder, which is peanut butter cup, which is pretty much our all-time favorite. So um, definitely you can get all that on uh, the website that I mentioned. Again, it's on our link tree in our podcast or Instagram bio. Go on our link tree, click on the link to get to FNX Fit and use Drew code 15 to get 15% off of your purchase at the time of checkout. So again, guys, I want to thank you guys all so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, Again, follow us on social media. Drew will be back next week. So uh, when we talk next, we'll be obviously going over uh, the recap for the uh, NFL divisional playoff rounds, which will be super exciting. And there might be some development in the uh, world of Raider Nation that we'll talk about. Uh, and also too, basketball season is up and running. So of course, once uh, football season kind of dies down, we'll be jumping right into the NBA season. And hopefully if the lockout can end, we'll be talking about some baseball very shortly. But until again, guys, thank you so much for listening again. Uh, we look forward to hearing from y'all next week. And with that being said, guys, uh, be nice to one another, wash your hands, wear your mask, be kind, um, you know, get vaccinated if you have the ability to, or get boosted if you haven't already, uh, just do so to protect your neighbor, protect your buddy or, and your fellow you know, citizen or person. Just be thoughtful to them. And uh, with that being said, guys, catch you guys next week. So we'll see you.